What's going on, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Not Real Chronicles, but the debut edition of Cinephile Roundtable, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today one of the usual suspects, Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? What's happening? And brand new to the team, Merc with Movies, JC. What is going on, my friend? Happy to be here. And one of the brightest minds on Instagram and YouTube, Elliot Movie Files. What's going on? What's going on, guys? Excited to be here as well. Awesome. So we're going to do things a little different on here than the weekly episodes that we do with Real Chronicles. We're going to do a little bit more of a dive into film, making of the film, production. We're going to cinephile this up to make it as nerdy as possible for everybody that loves film. We're also going to, going to be breaking down the award season once it starts picking up. But for the new guys on the team, let's hear JC. What's your favorite movie? Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Awesome. Elliot, what's your favorite movie? Oh man, I hate this question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's, so today, as of ten oh one a.m. September six, twenty twenty, I'll go with uh, a childhood classic, uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, you don't awesome. Nothing awesome. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I love Spielberg. It's, it's that's my number two, my number two uh, Spielberg movie. So love that. Love that. All right, so we're gonna get into the news of the week before we get into breaking down our topic of Christopher Nolan, one of the most beloved directors and most passionate fan bases around the nolan cult with reason with reason i have a elliot i uh, jc and i speak off the line often and i was telling him i have a friend that works for variety he's actually the Mm -hmm. new awards editor at variety and he would we were chatting about the fact that he uh that nolan fans could get kind of cultish and then i i respond i respond to him i'm like have you met snyder fans yet (laughs) that's true man that's true i think that i think that takes the top but uh going right into the news of the week uh this one's really solid stuff for any fans of paul thomas anderson cooper hoffman joins the cast of pta 70s drama jc i know you are super excited about that yeah i love pta felicity mohaven was one of my favorite direct i mean actors so you know, like anytime Paul Thomas Anderson gets a new movie, like I get really excited. So, you know, it's a great opportunity for him, and it's like a full coming circle for PTA and Cooper. Elliot, any thoughts on that? Yeah, man, I think that's so dope, man. I, I, what comes to mind is like how Spike Lee was able to work with Denzel earlier in his career, and then being able to work with his son. It's just like, like, uh, like he was saying, it just comes comes full circle, man. And it's, uh, I know it means a lot to that family to be able to work with that director and vice versa. So I think it's pretty cool. I agree. And then Ryan, you're not really too big on PTA, right? Yeah, no. So and and Elliot, in terms of PTA, what is your favorite PTA film, and why is it there Ooh. will be blood? <laughs> <laughs> man, he he's such a uh, interesting director. Man, uh, that's definitely up there for me. Um, you know, 
the you know the film that he did with Seymour with uh you know uh the master I thought was it was an incredible film but I don't I don't know man he has so many great ones uh I'll go with we'll just keep it in line the conversation I'll go with the master awesome I love the master I think uh JC that's your favorite Joaquin performance right the master yeah I think he deserved the Oscar over over don't, your boy Danny oh don't, don't don't disrespect DDL's name not on this hey. podcast my friend <laughs> no, not disrespect. on this podcast. <laughs> I think no, I, I I understand, and I, uh, my wife's a big cinephile as well, Elliot, and she's on the pot on the other weekly podcast that we run, and mm. I have still yet to show her Lincoln because I know she's <laughs> a bore fest. It's not a bore fest. I'm a big history guy, man. It it, it I'm it, a history buff too, but it's like I don't know, man. That movie, like his performance is great, but that movie drags, bro. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you got to be in the right mindset to watch that film. It's definitely exactly. not to be just put on randomly, right? You got to be like ready to get a history oh, lesson, yeah. and get the pencil and pen out. That's how I feel when I watch Cannibal Holocaust. I got to be, I really got to be in the mood for that. Definitely. But yeah, next bit of news: uh, Amy Adams and Julianne Moore joining the cast of Dear Evan Hansen. I can speak from my personal experience of seeing the Broadway show that one of these ladies may be winning an Oscar. It's a very and Julianne Moore is the one that's going to be playing Evan's mom, so she has the very very heavy role. So I think I don't think Julianne may lead to a second Oscar, but she should be on her way to a nomination if the movie is going to be as good as the Broadway show, which won the Tony. So that should be a solid solid effort. JC, you haven't seen. I know you're from New York area. You haven't seen it, right? No, no, but um, you've been telling me a lot of good stuff. Like I've read up a little bit on it, and I, I know it's like heavy material. Like if they do it properly, this could be a big hit. But you know, those kind of like, you know, like suicide awareness, those kind of movies, you know, they they can tend to fall in the middle. Like it could be over too preachy, or you know, so like if they get the right tone for it, it could be a big hit. Yeah, as long I mean, no offense to YA, you know, films. I think this needs to be very heavy. <laughs> And I think it could work really well with everyone on board. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Next bit of news is kind of sad after the incredible Batman trailer that we got two weeks ago at DC Fandom. So Robert, Patton, Robert Pattinson has COVID and Batman shut down for now. But now they are shooting scenes without him. So uh, JC, thoughts on that to kick us off there? I mean, I when when you first told me about, it, I was like really, you know, I was mad because I'm you know like that. I felt like that maybe my push the October release date, but then when I found out that they're just gonna shoot scenes that he's not involved, I thought it was a smart idea, you know, because you got the Penguin, you have Catwoman, you have the Riddler, and then you have Carmine Falcone, who we didn't really see in the trailer, so they could shoot a lot of stuff around him in the two weeks that it takes to find out. Agreed, Elliot. What about you? First off, before you chime in on that, what do you think of the trailer? Because you're uh, brand new here. Oh, man. So if you guys cut me right now, you'll see I bleed black and gold for Batman. He's my favorite uh, comic <laughs> book character. So I, I, I love the trailer. I, I, I was very familiar with Robert Pattinson's uh, work previous to, you know, him being announced as the uh, the new Batman. I'm a big fan of him as an actor. So I uh, love the trailer, love the tone, love the seven meets Matt Reeves type of uh, sensibilities as a director. So I'm really looking forward to this film. The yeah. cast is incredible. Same here. Um, 
But in regards to this COVID news, I mean, it sucks. But obviously, when it comes to movies as a whole, it's a whole team collective. So they can continue to shoot the film, like you said, shooting those scenes with Falcone and, uh, you know, some and a cow and all the different scenes that we got there but also think too just from a hollywood standpoint i mean the rock just announced that he had COVID as well and he had yep. so many different things going on with black adam and just all the types of films he's working on so i think the way hollywood's structured they can cut some scenes around robert pattinson and once he's you know 100 healthy he'll just get back on the train and uh continue that batman totally get going totally agree ryan thoughts i agree with everyone it's good that they can continue shooting it's smart to continue shooting and i hope he just gets better real quick so he can continue shooting yeah and it's i think that it's important that they're going to continue to shoot you know around him because i i feel mm-hmm. like that october that october uh date is key because mm-hmm. look at joker yeah. last year how much money it made with that october and i think comic book films have started to do well in october yeah you started with venom and i mean i'm not the biggest fan of venom but look at how much money that movie <laughs> it, made. it made a lot of money yeah, yeah. and then yeah, joker man. last year joker joker had a little bit of help outside of it being a really solid film the fact that mm-hmm. it had that controversy you know how that is controversy sells yeah. people are gonna yeah. people are gonna run to the theaters like i remember in my screening in new york this was thursday of comic-con so we leave comic-con we go to this we go to the theater uh, to watch it on IMAX, and we had SWAT. We had undercover detectives in our th- screening, mm. so it was pretty. It was pretty, pretty crazy. Like, it, I think the fear was more on the was caused by the cops being there than anything. To be honest with you, yeah. but at at the end of the day, like controversy sells. So, and I think this Batman movie, we uh, JC and I have talked off, off the line that um, I think this needs to be like two thirty about two hours, 30 minutes, two hours, 40 minutes mm-hmm. to kind of get everybody in. Because there's a lot of characters to dive into in this film. Yeah, it's supposed to serve like an origin for like the, like Riddler's going to be the main villain. We know that. The trailer obviously showed it. But, you know, we got to get a little bit of background on like the Penguin and Catwoman because I'm pretty sure they're probably going to be like the villain each of the, of the two sequels that's supposed to come. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So we got to get like, I mean, we comic book fans, we know most like their character arcs, but, you know, you got to get the casuals in. And obviously, he's taking a whole different version because, like, the Riddler looks like he's a serial killer straight out of seven here. Yeah, mm. it, it and Elliot nailed it. It's it's a Fincher film. This was looks like a Fincher film, and for me, it looked more like a Zodiac, like the cinematography, yeah. Yeah. like it spewed Zodiac for me. But looking forward to that, and it's funny that we finish off talking about Batman with Zodiac because the first pictures to my predicted best picture winner. <laughs> Mank was released yesterday, and it looks glorious. It just looks glorious. Uh, JC, thoughts on the pictures, on the first images? I mean, they look great, the cinematography. Yeah, we already spoke. Like To me, it's going to be probably between this and Dune. Like, Elliot, you, did you see the the Dune teaser? Oh, yeah. Dune is my number one anticipated film of probably like, ever, so I'm super, <laughs> I'm super excited for Dune. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's like... To me, cinematography is gonna probably be between Mank and like Dune because like Mank just looks great and the you know mo- uh, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. We've seen it with Argo, yeah. we saw it with the artists. So like that, it has that. It has Fincher who's getting an overdue narrative by getting screwed over for the social network. So like yeah, Mank is he's gonna deliver. It's gonna probably be a big hit. I with, think uh, with awards. I think before we move on to Elliot on his thoughts, I think this is this movie. Everything about this movie feels like it's the right time. It's 79 years late on giving Citizen Kane its Oscar. So I think, you know, 
I think we're at the. I think it's finally time for Citizen Kane to get an Oscar. So, uh, what did you think, Elliot? Yeah, I mean, Fincher is one of my favorite directors. Uh, the cast looks great. The uh, you know you have Trent Redicus and Atticus Ross on the score. I mean, it, it it's six years in in the war. It's been six years since we've seen a Fincher film, so yep. we're well overdue for that. So the uh, the pictures look great. Uh, it's on Netflix. They have uh, that's a whole conversation within itself in regards to the quality that you get on that platform. But they it's that time of the year when they start to give you the heavy hitters like The Marriage Story and The Irishman, and it looks like this film uh, is definitely going to be up there when it comes to Oscar season. Just based on the pictures alone agreed is that your number one right now uh for best picture elliot if you had to think of what's out right now i, I think so man because again i think hollywood he's one of like and we'll talk about christopher nolan later about uh, uh oscar nominations but i think fincher is one of those oscar darlings where they love to you know appreciate uh fincher's films unfortunately he didn't win for the social network but i think very, he's, he's very definitely in that, in that conversation with oscar liking his film so i think so so far ryan any thoughts um no looks good <laughs> yeah i think Ryan, I think to get yourself ready for this, if you have a chance, watch Citizen Kane. It's really, okay. really something special. All right, so let's move on. News is over. Let's move on to our movie taglines. It's time to pop Elliot and JC's cherry on this game. Let's I, do it. I, I think well, David, real quick, yes. don't go easy on Ryan. You're giving too many easy ones. I'm gonna. I gotta go easy on you guys. Yes, I could. All right, Ryan's so, a pro. I just I just happened to get him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he 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 gives you some easy ones, Ryan. <laughs> All right, Ryan. There's only six, so Ryan, I'll kick it off with you. The dream is real, and these are uh, all these are all to give you guys a hint. These are all Christopher Nolan films. Inception. There you go. Very good. You see what I'm saying? Easy. <laughs> all right, JC. Days never end. Nightmares are real. No one is innocent. <laughs> Insomnia. There you go. See, I gave you an easy one too. Elliot. Let's do it. Mankind was born on Earth. It was never meant to die here. Was that in the cellar? Yes, sir. All right, Ryan. Oh, JC, you're about to get on me on this one. Ryan, a fire will rise. Dark Knight rises. Very good. <laughs> oh my God. Last last two. JC, a friendship that became a rivalry. A rivalry that turned deadly. Are you watching closely? Shit. You got a lover? No. The prestige. Fuck. And then, and then and then last one, Elliot. Some memories are best forgotten. Uh, Memento. There you go. Awesome. So that wraps up movie taglines. Let's jump right into it. Christopher Nolan, one of my favorite directors. I'm sure it's one of everyone here's favorite directors, but let's kick it off with a simple question. First movie you saw of Christopher Nolan and the first movie that you saw that made you love Christopher Nolan's work. Ryan, I'll kick it off with you. Uh, Dark Knight made me love it, but Batman Begins, I would say, was my first, first. one. JC? Memento. I remember my brother getting it from Blockbuster. I had no idea what it, what it was about because I was nine years old when it came out, but I just knew that it was a movie that really gripped me. And the movie that I like really became like... Like a super Nolan fan was a Dark Knight. I mean, none of us still know what Memento is about, so I think I think we're all I think we're still there. Well, I mean, I get that. I, mean, <laughs> I think pretty much everybody understands what. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. It's just the uh, works of it. Absolutely. What about you, Elliot? Yeah, going back to my uh, Phantom of Batman, it was Batman Begins, and and that happens to be the the film when I fell in love with him too in two thousand five. I just thought 
the way he number one, if we remember the state of Batman from the last, you know, in the in the late nineties with the Schumacher run, uh, rest in peace for him. But you know, it wasn't the uh, the Batman I was looking for during that time. So knowing that he kind of brought back the Dark Knight uh, in Batman Begins, it really just made me fall in love with him as number one as a Batman fan, but also as a, as a great and uh, incredible director. So Batman Begins for me, awesome. So for me, the first movie I saw of him was Insomnia. And I'm a big, big, big Al Pacino fan. That's my favorite actor of all time, even through the good and the bad, like Simone. But, um, yeah, that's the first film I saw of him. But same for me. Batman Begins. Batman is my favorite superhero. We have a cat named Bruce Wayne. I mean, it's literally (laughs) (laughs) it's it's, Batman lives in this home. So Batman Begins and just seeing how he brought to real life rather than. What, you know, you mentioned before what Schumacher did. I mean, Schumacher brought it back to Batman 66, and then mm. you had Chris Nolan bring it back to a reality-based type of bat. And, you know, despite, you know, I love Batman Begins, but I wish I didn't have to see those pearls again. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we're before we get into our rankings and then we're going to dive into the discussion on Nolan films, I'm going to run through the box office that each of his films have made. I'm not going to count Tenet because we're still waiting on the final numbers for the weekend. So number 10 following, it only made $48,482. Not surprising there. Number nine is Memento. That made 39723000 And that is it in terms of movies that did not cross $100 million for Nolan, which is incredible. Because a lot of his movies outside of actually all of his movies outside of Batman are either a war film or original pieces. So it just shows like he's one of the only directors. I'd put him, Tarantino, Scorsese, directors that their name, their name brand and original films still sell. So next up, I have uh, we have the prestige making one hundred and nine million dollars, hundred nine, six hundred seventy six thousand. Followed by Insomnia at 113768770 Then Batman Begins at number 6, 373413297 Dunkirk comes in at 5 with 526940665. Interstellar at 4, 677471339. Top 3, Inception, 829895114. And his top two cross one billion dollars, and surprisingly, number two is The Dark Knight at one billion four, one billion four million nine hundred thirty-four thousand. And then number one, his most profitable film was The Dark Knight Rises at one billion eighty-one million forty-one thousand two hundred and eighty-seven. I'm surprised. I I could have sworn that Dark Knight was still number one. I I I definitely am surprised there. All right, so. To kick everything off, we're going to go through our rankings of Chris Nolan films, and I'm including Tenet because I saw I, all of us saw Tenet except Rye. So I'm going to run through my number 10 through 2, and then 11. 11 through 2, you're right. So 11 through 2, and then we'll see where our number ones land. So my number 11 is following, and I'm going to preface this and say that I think 8 Nine of these 11 movies, I think, are great. I don't think any of these movies are bad. I just think that Nolan, I, th- I, hold, I think all of us hold Nolan at such a level that, you know, the last two for me just didn't hit, and we'll discuss why later. So 11 is following. Number 10 for me is Interstellar. Number 9 is The Prestige. Number 8 is Insomnia. Number 7 is 
I'm probably going to get heat for this. Number seven is Memento. Number Oof. six. Yeah, yeah, I know. Number six is The Dark Knight Rises. Number five is Tenet. Four, Batman Begins. Three, Dunkirk. Two, Inception. And then I guess you guys can guess what my number one is. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, what about you? From what you've seen of his. Uh, I only have six, sorry. All right, go for I it. I haven't seen all of them. Um, number six, Insomnia. Number five, Dark Knight Rises. Number four, Inception. Number three, Memento. And number two, Batman Begins. I think we could guess what your number one is, too. All right, yeah. JC, go ahead. <laughs> uh, number 11, Following. Number 10, Insomnia. Number nine, Interstellar. Number eight, The Dark Knight Rises. Number seven, Batman Begins. Number six, The Prestige. Number five, Dunkirk. Number four, Tenet. Number three, Memento. And number two, Inception. Awesome. And I guess if we know what your number one is. All right, Elliot, <laughs> take us home there. All right, so I still need to see following, so I can't include that on my list. So uh, definitely on the bucket list to check out. But I'll go with um, Insomnia uh, at number 10. Uh, Prestige, because I haven't revisited that in a while, at number 9. I'll go, um, oh, man, uh, Memento at 8. Uh, let's see. Batman Begins at 7. I have Dunkirk at 6. Tenet at 5. Five, Dark Knight Rises at four. Dark uh, Dark Knight at three, um, and then where am I missing? Inception at two. Awesome. So I think your number one is Interstellar, right? Yes, sir. Oh, we're gonna have a good discussion. That's gonna be wonderful. And then yes, uh, yes. I'm gonna assume JC, Ryan, and myself. Dark Knight, right? Yes, yeah. sir. Awesome. So now that you know where we rank, let's talk about them. So. I think, JC, it's just going to be me and you talk about following. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go in release order so we can just finish up talking about Tenet. So number one here following, I think, and Elliot, I think you may feel the same way when you watch it. And it's not a bad film. It's Nolan's ideas are sprinkled all over following, but he really, he's learning how to execute them like the master he is now. He does sprinkle stuff that we see in movies like uh, I'm trying to think nonlinear of, storytelling. Yeah, the nonlinear that we get in Memento, it's all over there. The twists that he does have in some of his films, like The Prestige, that's here too. And a shout out to the future of him directing Batman because there's a giant Batman '89 sticker on the door of 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 one of the main characters of the film. So you forgot you forgot one, David. What did I forget? The the second lead character's name Cobb, which we, oh, we know yes. was Leo's name in Inception. Inception. Yep, you're right. You're right. But like it's, it's, it's like a, it's not a bad film. It's just like it's very indie. Like if he had gone the indie route, like the Sundance route, it would have worked good. But knowing how he get, got into big budget, this feels like such a like you know like compared to his other work, like this feels like such a like I couldn't <laughs> recommend this one casual. Like it sprinkles some of the ideas we came to see more, but it's. It's 70 minutes, like, if you're, like, a really Nolan diehard, like, you can check it out, but it won't be for everybody. Yeah, I agree. I don't even think the next movie we're going to talk about is for everybody, Memento. Uh, we can kind of get into it now. I love Memento. I, I, like I mentioned before, my one through eight are just, I love them all. Um, First time I saw Memento, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I was, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I rewatched it this week and I'm like, yeah, I know where this is going, but I'm like, I still don't know what the fuck is going on. I but it's great. It had it gave one of 
it, that's his first Oscar nomination for original screenplay, what came from Memento. It's very different. For the time, I think it was very... I don't think we got a film like that at all during the time, right, JC? That was a first for the for the for the time, right? The nonlinear storytelling like that. Um, well, remember we had Paul Fiction, but it was just like the way he did it with the with the black and white and everything. It was just like more like the story, you know, because we have. I, don't, I mean, I think something we haven't seen a movie like that where it's like short term memory is like really a, a main plot of a movie. What about you, Elliot? Thoughts on, on Memento? Yeah, no, I think, uh, and it just goes to show the Nolan, uh, the kind of the details from this film. I believe that, um, you know, Memento was just so, like, accurately uh, correct and, and, you know, handling someone with amnesia. And I think that, you know, Nolan does such a deep dive when he wants to, uh, whether it be story of memory loss or story of time or story of love. I think he's just such a deep dive director where he just has so much meticulous details in his film. So I think that was kind of the... Um, Red lining that this is a director we should keep an eye out for because he tells story in such an integral and, and such a he demands your attention when watching his films, which is what I love about Nolan the most. Oh, yeah, I'm the same way. I even when we watch Batman, all these Batman trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, I still think it demands your attention mm-hmm. because most you may definitely. miss you may miss stuff. Uh, and then Rye, you haven't seen Memento yet, right? No, I have. Okay, what do you what thoughts on Memento? I love the storytelling. I love how he's all over the place yet centered at the same time. Agreed. Um, it's just really well done. I love how he like leaves you with a what the fuck because you're not sure if um, the guy from Sopranos is telling the truth or not. I can't remember his name at the top of my Joey head. Joey Pants, man. That's Joey Pants. Sorry, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> all right. So moving moving on from Memento, we go right into Insomnia. I, I'm, I'm going to... Yo, JC, why why the fuck is that your nine? I mean, your your second to last. Um, like it's a good movie. Like it's probably the last great Pacino performance we got before before The Irishman. Like I don't know, it's just like the fact that it was the it's the only movie of his that he's never written. I feel like it doesn't have his style as much. Like he, for like a remake, because it's a remake of a Norwegian film from like ninety seven. Some people didn't know. But like for a remake, is is a pretty good movie but you know it's just like the fact that he didn't write it doesn't have his style like it's still a good movie like i said i don't think he has a bad movie at all i don't know just it is i rewatched it a few days ago and it, just, it holds up good but it's still bottom tired donut for me how do you like uh williams in this movie oh he's great like you know we see that he's taken like you know with this one hour photo which i believe came out the same year the year before like he really got into some dark places which he, I feel he would have been a way better pick than Jim Carrey for the Riddler. I think he could have done some great stuff with that. He definitely would have mimicking Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I agree. What about you, Elliot? Thoughts? Yeah, this is it's funny. I actually revisited uh, Insomnia for the first time in a very long time, like a couple months ago, and I forgot how much I enjoy that film. And it it's probably out of this, you know, this uh, last twenty years of Nolan's work, probably the, like like he was saying, the least like Noli. Christopher Nolan ish type of film. Uh, I remember that movie more because of the performances Al Pacino and, like you guys said, Robin Williams more so than like Christopher Nolan's like isms in his films. Like we don't really get all that you know stuff that we're used to for these next films that we're going to be talking about. But it's a really interesting way to you know you're not. You, you figure out who the killer is within the first, you know, 15 minutes of the film. So it's such an interesting journey to go through, you know, Al Pacino's character and figuring himself out versus the serial killer. So I thought it was just an interesting way to tell a story. But no, it, it's definitely uh, one of his most underrated films. But I, I will say it's one of the least Christopher Nolan, Nolan films. films that we've gotten. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, JC and then Elliot, you can chime in and Ryan, of course, because you just recently saw it. I I know it's a remake, but you, rewatching it this week, it's 
feels like Twin Peaks a little. A little bit of Twin Peaks. A little is bit, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good comparison. Yeah, it definitely really has this, has this some similarities now that you say it. Except David Lynch would be very very upset that we knew the killer of fifteen minutes because that's, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't. I, I still I still think David Lynch is still upset at at uh, ABC for making him reveal Laura Palmer's killer. Uh, <laughs> next next up on that was Batman Begins, and I think with Batman Begins and the Prestige, I believe they both came out the same around the same time. I think the same year actually. You know, yeah, uh, one year apart. So with Batman Begins, I mean, we've talked about how he rejuvenized the Batman franchise. I personally, and Elliot, full disclosure, guilty pleasure. I love Batman and Robin. I, 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 I think Batman and Robin is a fucking shit show, and it's such an enjoyable shit show. I think, yeah. If a movie can be that bad and still put a smile on my face with how fucking hilarious it is, it's doing its job, and. I've I've uh I've also gone on record on the podcast saying that uh Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, if you like Batman sixty six, you are getting that with a two hundred million dollar budget. <laughs> because it's essentially the same thing. It's campy, it's over the top, yeah. Dutch tilt, over the like campy, campy fucking villains. It's so ridiculously hilarious. But Back to back to Batman Begins. I was happy that we were actually getting something new, fresh, back to the Dark Knight returned ish kind of vibe. Because a lot of Batman Begins, if you guys are comic book readers, is year one. Especially the end of the movie is the the last couple of panels of Batman Year One, the Frank Miller, uh, the Frank Miller writing of Batman. I think it's it's really great how. He doesn't give us what we want because I think a lot of people expected, and you guys can chime in when we got Batman Begins that everyone thought the Joker is probably going to be the villain. We're just going to start mm-hmm. like every other Batman movie. Joker's right at the top of the at the top of the food chain, but the fact that we got Ra's al Ghul and the Scarecrow, I think it was a great way to start by not giving us everything. You know, he 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 put the tip in, he just didn't give us everything. He didn't blow his load on one movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about what do you think when you first heard of the news of Batman Begins, Elliot? I'll start with you there. Yeah, man, being a Batman fan, I was just super excited because of the obscure characters that people may not be uh, familiar with, with Ra's al Ghul uh, as well as Scarecrow. So I love that he started the, the his trilogy off with those two villains, and also going back to you know we'll talk about Dark Knight Rises later, but it came full full circle in regards to kind of that thread line with uh, Ra's al Ghul and everything. But no, man, I, I, Batman Begins. Uh, it's it's one of my it's actually one of my favorite Batman films ever to be honest with you all and it's still kind of you know obviously Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises but I just think it's out of the three films it's probably the most Batman ish film uh, uh, in regards to just the comic book accuracy there it's for me personally but I'm a big fan of of those villains and, and the story and, and seeing uh, you know which I think Christian Bale was more a better Bruce Wayne than he was maybe a, a Batman, yep. per se, and we'll talk about that later. But no, Batman Begins holds a special spot in my heart, man. JC? Um, I agree with Elliot. Like, it's probably the most Batman film because I felt like he hadn't really found his voice. You know, like, The Dark Knight, that's pretty much a crime drama. So, like, in terms of, like, his comic book knowledge-wise, like, I feel like that's the one that was most comic booky. There was I love the fact that he didn't use villains that we tend to see because like similar how they always put Batman in everything, I feel like they put Joker and everything. So I'm glad he like saved him for the second movie and just like try to find his grounding because like the fighting in Batman Begins is not as good as 
you know, like as it wasn't the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises or in Tenet. Like, I felt like he was just still finding his ground with big budget. Cause remember, he had come from a low, like, you know, like an indie route. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Batman Begins, I agree with both of you. It's the best written of the three. I That's what, what my, I think about that. Rye, thoughts on Batman Begins? It's really well done. <laughs> you guys said it best. I really can't. Took the words right out of my mouth. I'm going to start with you next time on the next movie. So, The Prestige, I think this is maybe his most underrated film. I I love that he does sprinkle the the what the spoiler spoiler alert what the twist is going to be all over the film. Michael Caine is like literally telling us whenever he watches this week, he's literally telling us where we're going. There's two people. Yeah, like <laughs> there's two people. You just really need to listen to me. Um but he's a hardhead. But uh, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale are s- sensational in this film. Their performances are great and Young ScarJo. I totally forgot that ScarJo was in this. I'll kick it off with JC on this one because I know that it went up on your list a lot more, you told me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had I had actually had only seen it once before this week. Like, I never felt like revisiting because, like you said, it's one of Nolan's more underrated work. I still think Insomnia is because a lot of people do love the prestige and not, not many people have even seen Insomnia. But, you know, like, it was just like, I guess, because the first moment when it came out, I was 13, I believe, so, so I, I was still young. I really didn't understand a lot. Like, seeing it now, being 28, like, you know, like, my mind is, like, you know, I'm, like, I'm smarter. Like, I'm seeing more, so it's, like, I understood it better. And it was just, like, I hadn't even forgot. I knew, I remember the twist that he was a twin, but I forgot so much about the movie. So it was just, like, it was, like, basically, like, rewatching it for the first time, and it just blew my mind, and it jumped, like, three spaces in my ranking. Cinematography on that movie is low key underrated yeah it's very underrated no one talks about that as some of the best Nolan cinematography uh elliot thoughts on the prestige yeah i I need to revisit it it's been too long since i've seen that film but i do what i do remember from seeing it uh you know maybe like five years ago possibly it's way too long uh but i remember this being like when i saw nolan uh kind of say kind of put himself out there in regards to his perfection as a director like i think a lot of his films have like kind of underlying tones of him trying to perfect filmmaking and cinema and i remember kind of that being like the allegory for the prestige of figuring out the trick and finding out the the magic behind it so uh it's something i do have to revisit but i remember the performances being great the twist being really uh a, a kind of a jaw dropper but uh it, to me like i said i remember nolan just really putting his heart and soul in it and kind of having like i said an allegory of him being a, a perfecting the filmmaking aspect and i like i like that you brought that up because that kind of com- kind of comes full circle with uh tenet like you have yeah. these people that are trying to figure out the tr- what, how the trick is made and what the trick is rather than just sitting there and taking everything in so i think that's a very it, it comes full circle with with uh tenet and we'll talk about that in a little bit so next up is what i think is his masterpiece i i i think this is uh, it's very hard to put to words how i feel about the dark knight because i talk about it i've talked about it on the podcast so much i just think that it is the godfather of the comic book genre and i think the godfather is the greatest movie ever made so i think what he did with the dark knight he brings in like JC mentioned before a crime drama. This is heat. This is heat with a guy in a cowl and a guy with makeup on. I mean, the first five minutes of the movie are pretty much the bank heist from heat minus the really, really loud guns. But, uh, the sound design on heat is crazy, but, uh, yeah, going back to dark Knight, it has my favorite supporting actor win of all time with Heath Ledger's performance as a Joker. I don't think that this movie, 
I think that the people that like to quote unquote shit on the Dark Knight now because they think it's a cool thing to do really don't really really don't pay attention to the fact that the movie really isn't about the Joker. It's not about Bruce. It's not about Batman. It's about Harvey Dent's story, the rise and fall of Harvey Dent, and the duality of Harvey and Two Face. I think is brilliantly done by by Nolan. There's so much to dig into the movie. Devil's Advocate, I will say the fairy scene, you know, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it still doesn't take anything away from the brilliance of the movie. Uh, JC, I'll kick it off with you here. It's my favorite comic book movie of all time. It's in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. It's like, I remember seeing it for the first time. It just, I was amazed. Like, I literally became obsessed with the Joker. Like, I would even carry the Joker card. <laughs> and like I said, it's like, that was like the first comic book movie that really felt like it was different like you know like i said like it was like it felt like a crime drama it literally was inspired by he which nolan has gone on record like that opening like you said the opening heist which is still the greatest opening in the nolan film i think it was just really inspired by the bank heist and heat and it was like like you said with the harvey Dent. like i like the fact that they didn't make him too cartoonish like like i said like again with batman forever i felt tommy lee jones and like with jim carrey they were just trying to be too much like jack nicholson and as the joker so like this Harvey Dent felt like very a very complex character. Like when he had like Gary Oldman, like well Gordon, he was asking like, "What's my nickname? What's my nickname?" And he was like Harvey Two Face. Like I like I don't know that that scene just gave me goosebumps in the theater. Like I went to see it three times when it came out, and I saw it again when it when it dropped for the ten year anniversary in IMAX. Like yeah, just I love this movie and it's probably Not- the greatest comic book movie of all time, and I don't think it will ever be topped. Yeah, I agree. Elliot, thoughts? So do you want to know where I got these scars? I'm, I'm, Listen, <laughs> Heath Ledger's performance, masterful, definitely deserved that Oscar. But for me, The Dark Knight, uh, really, I think we appreciate it for what it is. But fast forwarding to where that film came out in 2008 to where we are now, if it wasn't for The Dark Knight, there's the conversation about comic book movies being made and having fatigue. But to me, The Dark Knight shows you why comic book movies can continue to thrive because it's when you take such an iconic character like Batman and, like you guys said, place him into a crime drama, that's how the brand continues to live. When you bring these subgenres, whether it be horror, action, spy elements like Winter Soldier, espionage, that's how you keep the brand going. And I think that film is so revolutionary in the comic book realm that it's just it set the tone for the next 20 30 years so i always appreciate Nolan for what he did with that story and it's like you said it's about harvey did but it's also and that's what gets me so excited about matt reed's batman it's about the corruption and what corruption yep. can do to good people as the famous line in there if you live long enough to see yourself become the villain you know that's exactly what happened to harvey uh so I just I, that that film holds a special part of my heart because I am a comic book fan, but it also, like I said, it set the trajectory for what we're going to get in the comic book realm, where they can dive into different subgenres to bring these iconic characters into. Again, I don't know. We got a western with you know Logan. Again, we got a uh, spy espionage, Winter Soldier, and then you know we I didn't see New Mutants, but seeing that they're now diving to the horror realm. So I, that's what I love about Dark Knight is it it set the tone for what's going to become the norm uh for superhero movies yeah i agree before we move we, before we move to ryan i think it's a gift and a curse because i think when it's done right like you just mentioned movies that do it right anything in the mcu that tries to bring these subgenres in it's beautifully done but then you have ironically the ones that cannot do it right for a very long time will happen to be dc because of what happened after the trilogy that they tried to do dark and i think the biggest curse with the nolan trilogy is that dc felt any director could do what Christopher Nolan did. Yeah. And yeah. I and I think we got 
the Snyder. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna get into a Snyder rant, but I'm just not a Zack Snyder fan. <laughs> but um, oh, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like hmm. I, I, I don't. Uh, that's, that's that's another podcast for for another day because I'm a big Zack Snyder fan. Oh my god, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I like I like also I like most of Zack Snyder's movies. I just the only ones that I really would say that I dislike were Sucker Punch and the Rise of the Guardians one. Besides yeah. that, his other movies, I'm like I like like the only ones that I really love. I'll say is really Watchmen and Dawn of the Dead. Gotcha. But I don't think he's – it's really his fan base per se. I feel he's a nice guy, and I feel yeah. that he's a very visionary director with his own style. It's just the fan base. Yeah. I think, too, is that for me, yeah, the fan base has made it a lot worse to, like, accept anything this guy does. Um, but I'm with you. I do like Watchmen. I do like Dawn of the Dead. And I do – I'm okay with the director's cut of Batman v Superman. I I hate the theatrical cut. It's really poorly edited for me. But um, I think we talk about comic books and we talk about like knowing these characters. I just don't think for Man of Steel, and this is an example I've said on the podcast, and JC knows this example, but Elliot, like Man of Steel, perfect example. You have this character that's Superman, and he's fastest man in the world. Blah blah blah. We know we know all the nicknames he has. Oh, I know where he's going. And that's why in the comic books, he, his father, Jonathan, dies the only way he can't save him by having a heart attack. We mm. fast forward to Man of Steel, Zack Snyder, who's supposed to be this, like, you know, this comic book fan, the way he directs Watchmen, and I love Watchmen, but you kill him in a tornado, and Clark could easily have gone on and rescued him and i know you know he promised him he wouldn't show his powers at that moment when you know you're going to lose your father fuck mm-hmm. if anyone knows it because i i think if, if anyone was in that situation any of us and like one of our parents or a loved one heartbeat. was there in a heartbeat yeah. fuck them knowing that i have powers plus, i'm rescuing them plus it's a tornado i highly doubt any with so much going on i highly doubt anybody would have seen him yeah so that's kind of like where my issues with him started, and then it's just progressively just gotten worse and worse. Uh, but Ryan, thoughts on the Dark Knight? It revolutionized the comic book industry. It revolutionized yep. the movie side. It revolutionized probably even the comic book side. Like, and it he created the new holy trinity for comic books, yep. comic book movies. And I think I think that led to DC's. Uh, I think the New Fifty Two started like a little bit bef- around that time, think- like a little bit after that. And Ryan yeah, made a good right. point. Ryan made a good point about like it revolutionized the film industry as well. Cause like I feel like Skyfall is like without the Dark Knight, we wouldn't have gotten Skyfall. Like Skyfall, granted the the Caesar Planet with, with Casino Royale, which on which honestly like is inspired a bit by Batman Begins. That when they decided to like a, a origin story for James Bond, but like Skyfall doesn't exist without the Dark Knight. Like Skyfall to me is my favorite James Bond movie. And that felt like like for like spy films or the James Bond franchise, that felt like their Dark Knight. Like this when it got like really dark, grounded. I agree, and and, and I think I I don't know if you guys agree, but I think the 007 brand is the best it's been because now for once they're actually making darker stories and with and no invisible cars and with continuity <laughs> and with continuity because before then every movie just takes place and we move on to the next and that's it yeah, it was but, like the villain of the week yeah but casino royale kind of set everything up to where we're at now but uh yeah dark knight i think i mean we've said everything that it needs to say Elliot, should it have one best picture or you and one s- last thing on it oh yeah go ahead rye and just to touch on joker like for a better part 18 years like for most of my life up until then 
my Joker was Mark Hamill. Like I read, I heard Mark, I heard Mark Hamill's voice. Everything was Mark Hamill. But now I have a giant freaking Heath Ledger Joker looking at, and that's who I hear when I read. And that's just it. Like he, like that's my Joker now. Yeah, that that voice is haunting. And I think the favorite makeup for the Joker is it Dark Knight or do you like uh, Joaquin's or or Nicholson? Oh, that's a tough. It's a tie between Joaquin and uh, Heath. What about you, JC, for makeup wise? It's Heath for the fact that I'm not even lying. I actually have a scar inside my mouth. So, like I said, I became really obsessed with this character and I would try to like mimic his voice. Like, I even went as him as for Halloween. Awesome. <laughs> like, I just, I love the makeup. Like, the first time, I remember, like, I like Brokeback Mountain. I remember I'm a, I'm a big cinephile, a big Oscar guy. So, I had never had a problem with his casting. But when I saw those. The first images that they showed of him, I was just like, whoa. Like, yep. this looked way better than I could have ever imagined. Oh, what about you, Elliot? Favorite Joker makeup? Yeah, it goes to, uh, you know, my boy Heath. I thought that it was just, just it, again, it was grounded into that universe and, you know, him self-inflicting scars and things of that nature. Yeah, it's, it's definitely Heath for me. Yeah, I think so, too. And I'm, I'm the same way as you, JC. Like, I... I was a little hesitant at first, I'm not going to lie, but I think that first picture in 2006, late 2006, when they're still filming, uh, with just the scars there, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then yeah, I, like... <laughs> and then me spending money on the Simpsons movie to just hear him talk on the teaser trailer when he's like, starting tonight, people oh, will die. I'm a man of my word. Okay. Yeah, that, that Those shit. days. Well, when, you, when YouTube wasn't around the way it is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where people would actually like, I remember what I read was like the Phantom Menace that people went to see just for the trailer and then they would leave right away. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, the Phantom Menace trailer is a good trailer. I can't say the same about the movie, but the trailer is pretty dope. Uh, all right, so moving <laughs> moving on from, from Dark Knight, we move on to 2010's Inception. And um, shout out to my wife who, was a, who would leave me for Leonardo DiCaprio any second. Uh, <laughs> she, Inception is... In like t- I would say ten years later is not as confusing as I thought it was when I first saw the movie, but uh, Inception is brilliant. I think that's a second masterpiece. I think it's so so great. Everything about it, it's the sound design in that movie is incredible. The cinematography, the score, the score is incredible. Uh, every- Leo's performance is so great. Everything about Inception really is christopher nolan it defines christopher nolan i think it should have been his first director nom outside after dark knight it should have been that he should have three at this point so yeah so i would say inception is my number two because of just everything surrounding uh the film despite the fact that you know at when i first saw it i didn't know if the top dropped or not but uh ryan actually kick it off with you this time what do you think of inception I thought it was a really well done film. Like you guys said, the cinematography, the uh, act, like just everything about it, the score, the acting, the just everything. Right. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. It was a really well done movie. Awesome, JC. Well, yeah, it's like to me, it was one of my ten favorite movies of the of the past decade. Like I was blown with similar to you. Like I was very confused when I first saw it, but I knew that I loved it. Like the spinning top at the end. To me, I just felt like it was like Cobb just not caring whether if or not. Like, he was just happy to be back with his kids, which, which in the movie he kept saying, like, I just want to get back to my kids. I just want to get back to my kids. I just want to get back to my kids. So, But then, like, you know, the, the cinematography, amazing. Um, The score was great. Like, if it had been for the social network, that would have been my pick. I was sorry to, to disappoint you, but it was my pick for best picture that year. Over the not social, social network? network. <laughs> yeah. 
but I, but I do think that David Fisher should have won Best Director. But like, yeah, it's just like this, the ideas was just amazing. Like, I'm like, how the hell did this guy come up with these things? Like, and then the hallway, the hallway stuff. Yes, come on, it's like that was just amazing. I'm like, how? Did, like, I remember I was watching like the career timeline that Joseph Gordon Levitt was talking about. It like he he said when you read when he read it on the pages, he thought oh it was just regular fight. But when like he was like you know training and like seeing what was gonna be done, he was just like he really didn't know how Nolan was gonna pull it off. And he did. I think that's another big thing that, that always- you. Another thing that you nailed it on the dot was the fact that it's an original story and it's so powerful and it made so much money too. So uh, he, because he's like the, one of the few directors that could sell a movie off his name. Like we, literally, a lot of people want to say, like, remember they advertise his name like front and center from the director of Inception now because it's like, like with, with like what well, we'll talk more about it when we get to like Dunkirk. But like who, like how who thought of that a, a a war movie could make five hundred million? Not many people. Like, a lot of people thought it was a gamble, but he did it, and a lot of it has to do because his name just sells. Yeah. No, you, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, before we move on to Elliot, I think that the Inception box office was key for two things, him and Leo working together. Oh, hell yeah. Because <laughs> The Revenant has no reason to make over $100 million. I love The Revenant. Don't get me wrong. But The Revenant... Like my wife loves Leo, and she knew this may be the that may be the year he won the Oscar, so she was like all on board. But she, oh yeah, as soon as I saw the trailer, I, I knew for sure he he had it. I'm like, this guy ate raw bison liver. But like she she her friends who no way in fucking hell would they watch Revenant if, if it was starring anyone else saw the movie because of Leo. So I think the powerhouse team of Leo and and Nolan working together really helped. Uh, Elliot, thoughts on Inception. Yeah, man, for me, um, for the longest time when I saw Inception, for many, many years, I was so hung up on, was it a dream? Was it not a dream? You know, was that his, you know, it wasn't his totem. He had his ring on when he was in a dream. So all that stuff was in my mind for many, many years. But it wasn't until like a couple years ago, because I revisit the film very often, until the more mature I got, the more, um, you know, film knowledge I got. It's not about the, is he in a dream or not. It's not about all that sci-fi greatness. It's more about the human elements, which I, there's been many debates, especially in the last like few months since Tenet came out and people revisiting his films, calling Nolan like a soulless director. He doesn't care about the emotion, but that's literally the theme. And we'll talk about Interstellar later. But that's, as you guys said, Hop. Cobb just wants to get back to his kids, right? Yeah, they lost their exactly mom, like, and it's, it's is... the emotional, uh, emotional thread. For me, that makes me love Inception. Again, it's sci-fi. The, the hall scene that we talked about, uh, cinematography, the score is incredible. But it's the story that has withstand the test of time in the last 10 years. So that's, to me, when Nolan shows you how great of a storyteller he is. So I, I love Inception. Well, uh, in terms of Han's score, is that the best work he's done with Nolan, you think? Or do you have another favorite of his? Oh, it's another favorite, which we'll talk about a little bit later. All but right. it's, it's I, definitely up there. It's definitely up there. Blade Runner 2049 is up there for me, too. But, yeah, the Inception's up there. But it's another one on this list that we'll talk about. Awesome. JC, what about you? Oh, definitely. Like, I, to, like every time I hear Time to this day, it still gives me shivers. Like, I could listen to that that's, that song so much. Like, to me, like I said, if, if it hadn't been for Social Network, that would have won him his second Oscar, which would have been very deserved. Like, it's just a timeless piece. I can't, I can't believe he only has uh, he only has one, one Oscar. Oscar. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous that he only has one Oscar. Uh, Rye for score for Inception. Do you like that over Dark Knight? Um, I think it's 
almost equal, but I have to give the nu- uh, the nudge to Dark Knight. Awesome. All right. So moving on from Inception, we move on to Dark Knight Rises, which is the weakest of the three. But I think it's still a very, very good entry in the trilogy and a great conclusion. I don't hang my I don't hang like my complaints on the whole Robin reveal at the end. I, I I'm I'm indifferent to it to be honest with you. I think my only real gripe with that movie is the um the whole Bruce returning to Gotham from that cave when he doesn't have any connections left. He doesn't have a phone, he doesn't have anyone, he just randomly shows back up in Gotham. I'm like, oh, <laughs> All right, Chris, let's let's, you know, I we, we could have done a little bit better. We could have had one more draft of that. But um, outside of that, I think I actually love, 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 love the battle on Wall Street with the with the snowing. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredible stuff. I actually went um, during filming. I actually went to Wall Street to see if I could catch him because it's um, it's relatively close to me and it's uh, everything was shut down. So you, you couldn't get anywhere. Uh, but yeah. Dark Knight Rises is great. Bane is fantastic, and I know JC has a gripe with Bane at the end with the reveal of Talia. I kind of knew that that reveal was coming because of how much he wanted Marion Cotillard, and I think he I mentioned that in my in our Dark Knight trilogy episode, he like he held filming until he was able to get Marion Cotillard. So I knew she wasn't going to be some you know a, a side piece to Bruce Wayne. I knew that she had an impact. Don't don't love what they did to Bane, but I don't think it takes away too much of the film for me. I think out of the three, this may be ah, Bale's best role work in, in as the character because there's so much tor- turmoil and heartbreak over Rachel's death. I think that's really really his he kills it in this, and yeah, I adore Dark Knight Rises. I think it's a great way to end the trilogy. Uh, Elliot, let's start with you on this one. What do you think of Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, man, uh, going back to Batman Begins, you know, it comes full circle with that whole Ra's al Ghul reveal and, and still being connected to that story. But to me, like, I totally agree with you when it comes to Christian Bell's performance, but also Michael Caine's performance. I thought the relationship between Bruce Wayne and Alfred was just really emotional for me personally, just seeing that journey that they've been on and, and seeing where they are now. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Tom Hardy fan. So uh, the Bane we were talking about earlier, the impress, impersonating the Joker for the Dark Knight. It was Bane for me, the, the whole mask. And the, the, one of us has to live in the in the wreckage, brother. Like, I just love this, uh, the the swagger and the menacingness nature of Bane in that film. And uh, I think low key uh, Anne Hathaway is not Michelle Pfeiffer. And hopefully, you know, Zoe Kravis uh, does a great job. Selena Kyle. But I, I actually like Anne Hathaway as Catwoman in the film. Um, and I. I just I'm I'm a fan of that film. I, I really I, it is the weakest out of the three, and there are some plot holes definitely for sure. Uh, but it, it, it's it's a really good film. It has a special spot for me uh, when it comes to, to the Batman lore. So I'm I'm a fan of uh, Rises. Nice, and I did want to chime in on what you said about Alfred. I actually have um, Michael Caine's performance in Dark Knight Rises, one of my top fifteen favorite comic book performances of all time, just because of the emotion, especially at the end where he feels like he failed his parents. Yeah, like. He trusted him with his with his son with their son, and he failed them. And it, it, there's so much emotion there. I, I get brought to tears every time I watch that scene because it's such an emotional moment in the movie. But yeah, go, uh, JC, I know you have a lot to say on Dark Knight Rises. No, not not that great, but like uh, I agree with you guys. The Michael Caine stuff is great. Like I think that's his best performance as Alfred. The when he, when he's talking about how he failed them, like. Like every time he cries, I feel like crying. I'm like, damn, like this that's how you that's an Oscar winner right there. And yeah, like 
like I've never disliked it. I remember when it came out, like people were like, I went to see the first two nights it came out, and I remember my brother was just like, oh, it's not good, no es bueno, and I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I guess the fact that you remember the Dark Knight was just so revolutionary that people, I guess the high fret was just too too much with you know, with the whole movie in general and the Joker that they were just. There was just no way that they weren't going to find, like, plot holes and things to nitpick with that movie. Like, I think Tom Hardy as Bane was amazing. Is he Heath Ledger as a Joker? No. But that is it's completely different characters. But for a lot of, like, casual fans, like, they just, that's what they were expecting. And it just, it wasn't that, like, the, the, not that Namarion was bad. It was just, like, the twist at the end, like, took away from it. Because, like, the whole movie, they made Bane feel like this complete badass, which he still is, even with, uh, with that twist. But, you know, he was, like, I think it was his mastermind. Like, it was all his plan. But, like, let's say a, a person, like, a younger person sees it now. They'll know that twist because Joey King has become a big name. And, mm-hmm. obviously, you know that. You know that's a girl. So, you know, you see you see her, like, in the flashback. You know there's no way that's Bane. And then it was, like, to me, like, I, I remember I spoke to you offline when we were talking about Tenet. I think Anne Hathaway's performance as Catwoman is probably the greatest female performance in any Christopher Nolan movie. Second... Like I said, with Elizabeth Debicki, I don't know if I'm saying her name wrong. Am I right? And and um, Jessica Chastain and Interstellar, those are the top three female performances in a Christopher Nolan movie for me. And like with the Raza Gul stuff, it definitely comes full circle. Like Elliot said, like I even like when I had seen that Liam Neeson was gonna be in the cast, I'm like, you know, like I. That's what I like when I look back at him. Like I should have kind of known that there was like some kind of twist there. Like obviously we were being with like the League of Shadows and everything like that, but I'm like. There has to be more to it. Like when you look back in a hindsight, a hindsight, as you get older, like it, you definitely see the clues there for, to that twist. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And in regards to the Leah Shadow, something that I, I don't know how I forgot to mention when we were talking about the Batman before. So you mentioned Elliot before. You mentioned like the police corruption, corruption in Gotham City. How do you feel? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for this. I, I know. The world doesn't love us this much to give us this. But what if the Court of Owls are the ones that are running Gotham in this new trilogy? <laughs> I think the writing's on the wall, man. Like, I think it's, it's so much synergy in comic books and comic book movies and video games. Like, I think it's not an accident that they that that new Arkham uh, Gotham Knights has the Court of Owls as a backdrop as the villains. Mm-hmm. Because I think superhero comic book movies, video games, they all like give you little Easter eggs. Of, like, mm-hmm. OK, let's see how the audience accepts this idea of, of the Court of Owls. And if they love the video game, uh, you know, we can put it in the movie or vice versa. So I think Quarter Owls will be huge into, uh, you know, the, the long night, the, the long Halloween and Bruce Wayne find out his parents might be corrupt and his grandfather was creation of the Night of Owls. Oh, I think so that that's great. where Matt Reeves is going. So, yeah, I think that will make an appearance uh, in his trilogy. And JC. Um, hold up. Um, did you, you guys didn't notice like in, in the beginning when the first the first um riddle that that Gordon Reese him you didn't notice you noticed yeah like they're, 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 the definitely, yeah. they're definitely planning the seeds for that maybe we won't see them in the first movie right but remember because like this is like this is a whole trilogy like I'm pretty sure that we're gonna get little clues which is gonna have payoff in the second and third movie which I'm pretty yeah. sure we're gonna get because that trailer just broke the internet and JC like Ryan can probably agree to this too like Elliot. If you get a chance, read the New Fifty Two with Batman when he's introduced to the Court of Owls. It is you'll you'll wonder why it's taking them so long. The Court of Owls is fucking great. But uh, Ryan, thoughts on the Dark Knight Rises? That's fine. No. <laughs> um, 
Uh, no, really well done. Um, the, we talked about it a couple weeks ago yeah. or a month or so ago. It's it suffers from third movie syndrome a little bit. That's this issue, and I have a few nitpicky things like Batman shouldn't take time off, but that's besides the point. <laughs> like the cinematography is great. I love the score. You know, like I love Bane's music. It gets yes, me hype. Bane's music is great. Um, like the cinematography, like I said, the fight on Wall Street, even the car chase, the the lobster wing, as we like to call it here. <laughs> <laughs> his bat suit, but, uh, his bat suit looks incredible. I think the bat suit out of yeah. all three one, this one, they looks the best. Yeah, mm. but the acting, everything. Yeah. So, bring that brings us to, I guess, the one that differs on a lot of us our list and goes down to Interstellar. So. I'll preface this by saying I I think the movie's fine. I think it's Zimmer's score in this movie is fucking breathtaking. That's probably why I give it such a pass on certain things because that score is so fucking incredible. I I, I listen to it on the regular in the office at work, so it's really, really solid. So I guess my reason for why I feel the way I feel for Interstellar is because I think the movie is connected on Murphy and Joe's relationship and like love. And I'm supposed to feel as a cinephile watching this film that when they finally meet at the end, I'm supposed to have this emotional moment and I'm breaking and I'm, I'm, I should break down the way I broke down with Michael Caine telling his uh, the Waynes that he failed them. That's how I felt I should have felt at the end of the movie when he finally sees Murphy again. I didn't feel that. And like, I feel like there was such an emotional con- disconnect for me and I, I don't think Matthew McConaughey, he's good in it, but I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with his performance. I don't think he's, you know, he's a walking meme now in that scene where he's crying in the... Crying. Yeah, so he's a walking... Chair. Yeah, in the chair. He's a walking meme for that now. I don't... I just doesn't hit for me. And I forgot that Timothy Shyamalama Ding Dong is in that movie too. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's... Outside of that though, like another big issue I have is the ending. Like I personally feel there's a part of me that Nolan wants this movie to be his 2001 a space odyssey because I think because I think he tries to leave us confused because there's never they talk about this other life situation and like it rather than explain it a little bit he leaves us leaves it us to you know leaves it up to interpretation for us to figure out and I think that it works for like stuff like Tenet but for this it's a three-hour. It's a three-hour chore to get through it to not get an actual conclusion. And like, I mean, two thousand one for me is one of the greatest movies of all time. So I guess he shouldn't have tried to make his two thousand one. But I guess you know, I understand why it's beloved. Like I personally was joking to JC off the line. I think Tenet to me and him may be what Interstellar is to a lot of people. You know, people are we're gonna have to sit here and defend it ten years from now because it's one of those that a lot yeah. of people dislike and a lot of people like as well. And JC, you're with me on the lower end of it, and then uh, we'll move on to 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 Elliot because he loves it. But I'm a, but I I feel I like it a bit more than you. I do feel like emotion wise, it's probably his most emo- emotional movie. I I I felt like everything that you said you didn't feel. I kind of felt with that movie. Gotcha. Like the father the father and son the father and daughter relationship was really great like like i said it is his it is his take on 2001 you know like christopher knows a visionary he likes to be bossy and daring so i'm glad he made it like i when it first came out like i saw it in imax and thought it was cool i like i still rewatched it i still like it it's about the same 
I don't love it like Elliot, but I'm, I can't wait to hear his take on it. Same but here. I don't think it's bad. I feel like, like I said, I hold into Inception and Dark Knight like it's such a high level. So when people like say it's like better than those, like I get kind of defensive. But it's not a bad movie. Like like we said earlier, like I don't think Christopher Nolan has a single bad movie. I feel like he just has like you know because he's such a name that Warner's just says yes to pretty much everything. Like I felt like if they would have like torn him like the the pacing of the movie, it kind of drags to me in parts because like I said, three hours. It's a bit too much. I feel like if this movie would have been two hours and 20 minutes, would I probably would have liked it more. I just feel like it's too long, like you said, David. But the, like I said, that had to, uh, Jessica Chastain's performance is really amazing. Matthew McConaughey, like, that was a great follow-up for the Dallas Buyers Club. Like, I, like that's, I felt like that's how you use your Oscar win. So, like, you know, without that Oscar win, he would not, he would not have been the lead in a Christopher Nolan Oh, movie. no way. No way. You're right. So, yeah, like, I can't wait to hear what, what Elliot has to say, so. I guess Elliot, right, go. Elliot, take it away. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's a it's a lot to unpackage with my love for this film, but just kind of on on a basic level, we talked about the score earlier, so that is my favorite Hans Zimmer score, and stay in the uh, that score to me that 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 is just incredible, and the Morse code of what that means to the film, and just I think it's beautiful. But the story for me with Murph and uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, seeing her from a young girl, a middle aged woman to an old woman. That hit me emotionally seeing, you know, the line in the film where he says, next time I see you, we're going to probably be the same age or you might be older. And seeing his daughter last time you saw her was a little girl and seeing her older than him just kind of just tied back together and just hits me every time I see it. And and, and again, I think it is Chris Nolan's most emotional film and, and the heart and soul of the film is that humanity. He wants to save the world, but it's again saving his family. And and the performance that Matthew McConaughey gives for me, I think is, is one of his best. And, and that scene, I know it's the meme, but that scene gets me as well. <laughs> just knowing no, it, again. It is, it is great acting. It, to me, it's phenomenal acting, man. And I just, again, thinking of his uh, Christopher Nolan's obsession with time and seeing how time is so integral to the story when we go on that planet every two, a minute, every seven minutes is a seven-year time gap or whatever the case was. Uh, it's just so incredible. Him seeing his kids growing up in, in front of him and, and seeing the tragedy of him losing a grandkid that he never gets to meet, seeing you know the world is crumbling around his family. He can't do anything about it. He physically, literally cannot go and hug his son, hug his daughter embrace them after losing their grandkid or losing their son so to me the emotional aspect really carries on and then just from a visual standpoint seeing that film three or four times in IMAX it's one of my most memorable movie going experience because again I was so immersed is the line and tenant not understanding I understand the film you know scientifically speaking everything that they go with the black hole but it's not necessarily understanding the science behind it it's the emotion and the feeling and I was just so immersed in going into outer space and going to these black holes and just being engrossed in this story that he was telling I think it's one of his most ambitious films visually speaking the score is incredible to me the emotions land for me and when it comes to the ending Anne Hathaway being on another planet and he always kind of gives us that, right? We think of the ending to uh, whether it be Inception, whether it be, um, you know, without getting into spoilers with Tenet. But he always kind of leaves that that thread there. You know, Robin, does he become Robin? Does he become uh, Nightwing potentially? He always has that little thing just to kind of keep you guessing when you leave the film. And I think that's such a great thing. Does, does he find Anne Hathaway in his new planet? So that kind of always just keeps me guessing on that film. But I love Interstellar just from, uh, again, just from an emotional standpoint. And it is just a beautiful film. Awesome, JC. I think we need to watch Interstellar again. Yeah, I, <laughs> that 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 passion, like I, I love it. I, I love, love it. That, I love that.
Um, and then I know Ryan, you hadn't seen it, so let's move on to, I would say probably his most pulled back film, Dunkirk, which I love. I'm a big, big, big fan of war films. I think like 1917 last year was breathtaking to me. I loved it. Uh, with Dunkirk, I think that what why I think it's very important to where war films may be going today is the fact that he showed everybody that you can make a war film under two hours and make it emotional you make it impactful and you can still get an oscar nomination for it because i think they there and you saw it right right after when 1917 it clocks in at like 150 and you're able to leave an impact on on viewers i think with dunkirk i i know that the war genre is not for everybody but i think this is while not my favorite score zimmer's most important score because there's such minimal dialogue in Dunkirk, so the the score throughout the film is so key. The, time, to... the, ti- the timer is amazing. Yeah, everything about Zimmer's score on here is so impressive. Um, performance wise, there's really nothing to rave about. Performance wise, I think everyone does a fine job. I think it's more of the what Nolan wants you to feel is the the moment. You're not looking at a performance to outshine another. You're looking at the moment to outshine everything else. And I think he does that beautifully there uh but like i said war films usually five and a half hours to six hours long i like the <laughs> fact that you know we're able to get in and out in, in 140 i think it was deserving a deserving best picture nom a deserving best director nom and deserving uh tech noms that it won so that's my feelings on dunkirk uh jc um i love dunkirk it was my favorite movie of that year like I, like you said with the with the I remember when when I when when the runtime was revealed I was like okay this is a little different because like you said I'm used to my war movies being two hours and a half I don't really mind them I love war movies same like you so it was like it was it was good to see a war movie be a hundred minutes and still be so impactful but like you said the the performance nothing to really rave about except for not to rave but it was you know remember it, the the big deal at the time was Harry Styles debut I feel he did a really good in the job. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the score, like, the, the timer, like, remember, like, because we're in a race against time, you know, we've seen, like I said, remember, the movie takes place in, in um, the air, sea, and land. And it was just, like, such a great technique. Like, like I said, like, Nolan, he likes to play with nonlinear, so, you know, you don't really know what's, like, you, you, like to some, that might seem confusing, you know, like, you can't tell what's happening first and what's happening before. But, like, I feel like it was a great use. Like, I don't think there's been there's ever been a war movie like that, whereas like, we're following so many different time periods in the same story. Like I said, like I think Christopher Nolan is a great writer, but the writing in this movie isn't as well because I feel like that wasn't the purpose of the performance of the screenplay wasn't the purpose of it. This was like Nolan just like he's the MVP of the movie because remember like his directing is really what stands out the most about the movie. Like the action scenes are amazing, and it was like this was like I guess you know remember like he couldn't get in for the Dark Knight. He didn't get in. Well, he got in for Inception, but not Best Director. So I felt like this was him, like I said, similar to how we say Inception is his take on the heist film and Tenet was his take on the spy film. I feel like this was his way of doing like an Oscar Beatty movie with the war genre, but doing it his way. Not like basically sticking to like a pain by the number war movie where a soldier's given a mission and it's like from point A to B. So it's a ter- like, so a Terrence Malick film. Is that pretty much what you're oh, saying? Oh, hell no. No, no. We ain't talking about that guy. That pretend is prick. <laughs> We remember he did the thin red line, and that I don't think that movie's anything great. But like, like I say, you know, it's just like it was just him, Nolan doing a uh, Oscar bait movie, with his own style. Remember, he's a really you know his, he likes to dev more into sci-fi. So when he was announced as doing a war movie. I'm like, oh man, he's kind of like 
gonna like you know, he just he just kind of not not selling out, but I felt like he was doing that because he maybe like he was tired of like of, you know not getting the the love he needed from the Oscars because he's gonna be like to me he's gonna be probably one of those directors like Stanley Kubrick who gets a bunch of nominations and might never win, and then in retrospect when we like you know years after he passed, but oh how didn't he win best director for you know like The Dark Knight or Inception or Dunkirk? Same way we think about Stanley Kubrick or how he didn't win a, a best director for 2001 or Dr. Strangelove. Well, yeah, I mean, I can I can chime in here real quick. People don't know that Hitchcock doesn't have an Oscar. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock, who I think is the greatest director of all time and probably had the greatest three decades of any filmmaker of all time, has no Oscars. He won Best Picture for Rebecca in 1940, but he has no Oscars, no Psycho, no Rear Window, no Vertigo, nothing. So it just shows, like... Nolan actually may fall into that line. I didn't even think. Yeah, like one of, the, one of those great directors who just doesn't win an Oscar but will have a fan base and whose films will probably stand the test. St- well, they do already because, like I said, Memento's 20 years ago, we were still talk about it. Same with Inception 10 years ago, still one of the most revolutionary movies of the last decade. The Dark Knight is the most revolutionary comic book movie of all time. No, I agree. All right. Uh, Elliot, thoughts on Dunkirk? Yeah, so I, so I am one of those people that are not necessarily. It's not that I don't like war films; I just don't seek them out as I do other genres. And you know, because they they tend to get a little tropey. You know, you have the guy that has the newborn kid and wants oh, yeah. to get back to the kid, <laughs> and he dies, and you see the face of war. So it, it gets very tropey to me with war films. But of course, there's Apocalypse Now and Save It Private Ryan, all those films I love. But when it comes to Dunkirk, is and it might be a weird comparison, but the reason I love Dunkirk is the same reason I love Mad Max Fury Road. You're just on the ride. It's just a Mad Max is just literally Agreed. you're moving. It's a race. It's a car racing. It's the same thing with kind of Dunkirk. We're just, as you had mentioned, David, it's the event. You're just there to witness the event. So, we, you know, we don't necessarily need to get the most backstory and the most dialogue. We're just witnessing the fears of war. We're in the trenches with these characters and, and, and seeing everything from land, from the sea, from the air. So it's it's a it's it may be his most. Like directing wise, like the one of the most complex scenes that he's directed besides Tenet and Inception earlier, but just kind of thinking of how he pieced the film together and how he's been wanting to tell his story for so long. And, and I watched the behind the scenes of him and his wife being trapped in the, on, on the water. And that's what he kind of came up with this idea. But I, I really appreciate uh, Dunkirk. I think it's a really, really, really well made film. And it, it, it even though we don't meet the characters and they're not as fleshed out, there's still some emotional aspects when uh, I can't think of the actor's name right now, but when he has a you know the boat scene and he dies ultimately it's oh, just like yeah, it, yeah. it's just like the consequences of war uh even the people that have they're not necessarily in the trenches can still be affected by it and, and you know him getting his name in the paper and all that stuff that that was kind of emotional for me personally but no I, i'm a big fan of dunkirk i think it's it's, it's a well-made film it's like you said it's a war film under two hours which i appreciate again not being the biggest <laughs> fan of yes, that genre yes. but yeah i think dunkirk is is a really really well-made film right have you seen dunkirk I have not. Okay, cool. So, uh, Ellie, I got I got to ask since you're you're not into the war. How do you feel about Lawrence of Arabia? Very, very, <laughs> very no. long film. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not one that I want to revisit anytime soon. I appreciate yeah. it as being a cinephile, but it's it's 
it's it's it's a film that's long. Yeah, that's very long. You gotta that, like plan. You gotta like schedule it. And like you're like, oh, what you doing? Oh, I got a plan to watch. Florence, uh, you know, Florence <laughs> Arabia. So I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Like that's it's, kind. Of, it's, it's it's yeah. That's but, kind no, of how I. Uh, yeah, that's kind of. Yeah. Uh, I'm the only one that I know that likes it. That I can sit there and watch it. That's why I was curious. All right, yeah. so let's move on to the final film of the conversation, and that is Tenet. We all saw it. Rye, you didn't get a chance to see it yet, so we'll try to keep this as non-spoilery as possible. Um, I walked in there thinking, okay, this movie's supposed to be very confusing. Let's see what's so confusing about it. Sh- much, much shout-outs to JC for putting me on to David Lynch earlier this year because I was able to like dive in and watch all of Lynch's films as weird as as weird as it may be and then the masterpiece of twin peaks and then i finished the movie i finished tenant and i'm like well you know i guess no one that says it's confusing has ever seen an episode of twin peaks because this movie is not as confusing as people make it out to be i personally think that in jc credited jc for this um it's one of those movies that just take it in take the ride because the ride is really great because as a spy film it's one of the best, and I don't give a fuck when Nolan says this is a time travel movie. <laughs> For real, this is a full fledged time travel movie. And John David Washington, we we need to get this man an Oscar, like not for this movie, but just an Oscar in general because he is such a good actor. I love everything he does, and Robert Pattinson continues to be one of the best actors in Hollywood. Uh, people that like to shit on the whole Batman stuff really just need to educate themselves on on Pattinson's work because he, he's an incredible actor but not getting into two spoileries I'll kick it off with you JC what are your thoughts on Tenet well like I said it's my number one of the year so far it was like like I said and like I told you offline I'm like will it save cinema no because not one movie could do that but it's definitely the movie that was needed to kind of bring us back to the theater because I let's say it would have like I said unhinged not many people showed up like like I said, Nolan's the name himself. So the fact that it was like a new Christopher Nolan movie, people were going to go in. And like you, I did not find it that that um, hard to understand. Like I remember a lot of people were like, oh, my God, so confusing. The first hour, you're going to be so lost. Did I understand everything that was happening? No, of course not. But I didn't find it as, as confusing. Maybe it's my love for David Lynch. And like I could be like that. But I'm the same with you. This is definitely a time travel movie. You could call it time inversion or whatever he wants. That is, this is what they do in time travel, just with, you know, with like Nolan's own unique hook to it. And like I said, with the performances, John David and Robert Pattinson are amazing. They have great chemistry. He is every bit of his father's son. Like Denzel, remember, like he does a lot of dramas, but you know, his bread and butter tends to be action movies like Man on Fire, um, Safe House, all those movies. And he kicks ass just like his father. Robert Pattinson. Like, Elliot and David, I'm a big fan of it. I think he's one of the best actors working right now. Like, a lot of people would criticize the Batman choice because Twilight. But if you see Good Time, The Lighthouse, The Rover, Lost City of Sea, you cannot tell me that guy's not not talented. And this movie, I feel like if you weren't sold on his indie work, like, there's no way you see this movie. And I think that he'll be a great, a great Bruce Wayne, a great Batman. Like, one, he, he's, he's, he felt very at home with the action scenes. And then... um. You know, like he was very, he had like, he's very delicate, he was very swaggerific and charming, which works good for his Bruce. Granted, what Marius is doing is like kind of dark, so he probably won't be the charming Bruce that we're used to seeing. But yeah, it was then the, the score was great. Like, if you did not know that 
Hans Zimmer was not scoring the movie, you wouldn't even have noticed the difference. Like Ludwig, I, I'm not gonna try to say his last name because I'm a butcher <laughs> it, but but Ludwig, like he he kind of like adapted to the Nolan sound because like that's pretty that's very much like a Hans Zimmer score. And like the way they used like they didn't fully use the Travis Scott song, the plan until the end credits, but I feel like little beats of it were like and I don't know if you caught that, Dave and Daly, but like I feel like a little bit of pieces were like were put into the into the score, like the beginning of it. And then it was like like the way just the inversion stuff was just amazing. Like the fact that this movie had less CGI than a romantic comedy is mind boggling to me. It's like, what? And then he crashed a real plane, a real plane. Like that scene was just amazing to me. But yeah, like I said, the time inversion stuff was just fine. Like just seeing the fights happening is like amazing. I saw the behind the scenes stuff they dropped. Like credit to John David Washington for his athletic background because the stuff that he was pulling off to literally fight backwards is just like not many actors could be committed to do that. Yeah, everything. <laughs> I mean, and I, I called it his most Lynchian effort. Like, if David Lynch got $200 million, this may be the movie he makes. Yeah. Because there's a lot this... of a lot of Red Room, Twin Peaks yeah. kind of stuff in there. That I'm, I was sitting there, and I'm, Elliot, I'm sitting there, and I'm texting JC, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, there's a Red Room scene in Tenet. Like, that's how fucking wild it is. And I'm not sure if you've seen Twin Peaks, Elliot, but, like, it's, it's fucking, it's a fucking ride. <laughs> Uh, this but, would definitely be his most divisive movie. Like, I think it takes a spot from Interstellar. Like, like I remember this is the cinema score. I don't know if you saw it there, but it's a B. That's the lowest cinema score since The Prestige. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, Elliot, thoughts on Tenet? Yeah, I think right now with the divisiveness, I think a lot of people are going into it trying to figure it out versus enjoying the film for what it actually is. And and again, the thing about Nolan films, especially these last, you know, whether it be Interstellar, Inception, it, The Prestige, Memento, you go back and find different things every time you watch it. So I think that's hurting the film right now is people are just trying to crack the code of what's going on versus, yep. again, just experiencing the film as Christopher Nolan. There's literally a line in the film that says it's not about understanding, it's about feeling it. Yeah. Uh, but for me, with Tenet, man, it, it, it's at, at all these films that we just talked about, you see all those films within Tenet. All those films that he did in his earlier days, his middle days, where he's at now, all influence Tenet, and you can see it within this film. This is straight up, you know, Christopher Nolan wanted to do, everyone wants him to do a Bond film. Well, this is Christopher Nolan's Bond film. Literally, John David Washington has the swagger, has the charisma of a James Bond. You have uh, Neil's character played by Robert Pattinson as kind of uh, you know the the Jeffrey Wright character in the Bond lore, who's his right hand man and his you know closest uh, ally. And Elizabeth Debicki, again, we talk about the emotion of Christopher Nolan's films. She is the emotional thread throughout the movie. She wants to protect her son and protect her family. And Kenneth Branagh as the villain, I thought he was fantastic and just really really well done there. I think he was probably honestly probably one of my favorite performances in that entire film. But the score is inc- I've been listening to the score since I saw it on Thursday. I love Ledwood as a as a composer, The Mandalorian, Creed. Uh, I mean, the guy is just fantastic. But Tenet is just such a. We were, you were talking about Twin, Twin Peaks was how it kind of helped you walk you into this film. For me, is watching shows like earlier this year, FX uh, Devs, and on Netflix. I don't know if you guys watch Dark, but that is like the most complex time travel concept I've ever seen, and mm-hmm. it is something I highly recommend. But Yet this is just the time inversion stuff, as you guys mentioned, and he gets some flack about this, the the fight choreography in the Batman films, and maybe not as clean as I don't know the Raid films. But 
this to me was just like so well done and how they use time inversion. And like you guys said, watching that behind the scenes of what John David Washington did, which again, I think this role is going to make him be cast as like John Stewart for the, for, for the DC. Yeah. Like this movie pretty much gave him. Yeah. (laughs) This movie is just going to like, they just put a rocket on him. Like, like I said, black classman, we know like that short us that he's, he has his, his dad's chops to do drama, but this movie Mm -hmm. surely could be action star. Like when you're lead of a Nolan film, like that's just that's just like the best career movie you could have as a young actor. Yep, exactly. I, and like exactly. Pe- people, you meant people you mentioned before earlier, like people want Christopher Nolan to direct a Bond film, and people have been wanting a Black Bond. Like we got both in this exactly. movie, and it was exactly man. so great. It's perfect. Oh, one thing to say, like without spoiling it for Ryan for anybody that's listening, this is probably the one Nolan Christ- uh, the Christ- the one Christopher Nolan original movie that actually. Plan sees to that there could be a sequel. Whether he actually does it, I don't know. But it's definitely the one original movie of his that I've definitely has has like the clues and has a lot of world building where we could see sequels happening. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I agree. Oh, yeah. And love the love the nod to Casablanca, the end of Casablanca at the end of this movie. If anyone peeps, if you guys have peeped that, I don't want to spoil it. But there's a, mm-hmm. a small little mm-hmm. nod to Casablanca. But yeah, so that wraps up our conversation on Christopher Nolan. I want to finish up by saying. Are asking, what do you want Nolan to tackle in his next film? I'll kick it off with JC on this one. Definitely another original project. Maybe after the divisive, even though I love Tenet, that says my favorite movie of the, of the year. I think it's his best movie since Inception. I feel like for his next one, he should try to go something that won't be as divisive. Not maybe not go Oscar Beatty like Dunkirk, but maybe something like. Like, you know, how Interstellar followed The Dark Knight Rises is, like, something that's a bit accessible. Like, not something that's going to be as confusing because a lot of people have been saying that they feel like he just tries to be too complex for their for his audience. But definitely an original project. I don't, I love when he tackles original products because he's the only director. As we saw, even Scorsese had a hard time with The Irishman. He's the only director that could probably get a $200 million budget for an original idea. Yeah, him and probably Tarantino. I, I could take it, but yeah, yes, I, it's just like it's hard. An original movie. All right, what about you, Elliot? So he's done the psychological thriller. He's done the comic book movies. He's done the sci-fi space movie, the war film, and then more recently the spy film. I hope. I think he's gonna go sci-fi thriller, maybe a tinge of horror yes. with time travel. Yes, oh, I think I think he's gonna have some type of killer that can go back in time, and and, and <laughs> it's gonna kind of be like a, a Minority Report where they're trying to find this killer Zodiac sign type of thing, where he's jumping in time and killing these people that might have done him wrong when he was a kid. So I think it's gonna be a sci-fi time travel horror thriller by Christopher Nolan. Yep, I actually was gonna say the same thing. Like I would love to him to do a horror thriller, and like grounded in reality in a real life event like the son of sam that that hasn't been tackled well because that summer of sam spike lee joined is hot garbage well uh, but that wasn't his fault he he wanted to really do a movie that tackled like the killings and everything like that but the families of the people that died they were like very on him yeah but no yeah but i would love to see something like that try to you That's know still great. still keep it in a fiction way but like have like the son of sam as like the backdrop can similar like once upon a time in hollywood but a horror version of it but yeah and ryan any thoughts on what you want nolan to do next before we finish up for the day i would like like maybe a murder mystery like a knives out kind of deal like i think that would be interesting that's cool because he's never is that the one thing that's another thing he hasn't really done like a full-fledged comedy right 
that'll be good because people say he's humorless, even though I didn't understand it because I giggled a lot with John David Washington some of the things mm-hmm. he said. Like, yeah. people said that it was, like, emotionless. I'm like, I feel like the they say it's emotionless because there was not very, not, there was not much character development, so we weren't kind of attached to it, except for, like, maybe Elizabeth Debicki's character because she is the heart of the film. But I found myself laughing a couple times in that movie. Yeah, no, yeah, same, same here. here. Same here. Mm-hmm. All right, so, guys, thanks so much for joining this week's episode. We will be back next month with another edition of Cinephile Roundtable where we are going to redo the Academy Awards. We are going to redo every Academy Awards top four awards from our birth year. I got a lot of work since I'm an old fossil. Guys, thanks again for joining us. Until then, see you at the movies, kids. Mm-hmm.